morning, good morning, good morning. Only believe a church filled with power and demonstration. Amen. I'm so proud of you. I'm watching literally. I'm asking people. I'm not asking so you have to go against the word. I'm asking to take a temperature of what the church is participating in. But I ask some of you what you're doing for 21 days. And I'm just telling you that I am absolutely, utterly amazed and proud at what you're doing. You are hungry for Jesus. You are pursuing him at a greater level, seeking, knocking, asking. And I'm just telling you, let me remind those of you that are fasting. I heard this the other day. Fasting without prayer is just a diet. <laughs> I thought, yeah. How many times do you start out fasting and then before you know it, the only thing you can think about while you're fasting is not thinking about food. So let alone be praying about it. I'm like, Lord, I just started fasting 20 minutes ago and I ate and all of a sudden my flesh is starting to cry out. You're hungry. I'm, no, you're not. Shut up. You are not hungry. Yes, I am. I'm hungry. So I encourage you, keep going. Don't give up. You can make it. We're on day eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, we're going to persevere until the end. Amen? We want to be different than we were in 2023. So today we begin our series on prayer. Um, every year this is something our church dedicates ourselves to because we believe it is a necessity of the church. The early church in Acts 2.42, it says they gave themselves over to, meaning they, they did this as an important process, to the doctrine of the apostles, that's just the Bible, that's what's happening here that we give ourselves to, fellowship with believers, that's what we do in small groups, that's what you did before church, that's what you're going to do after church at Azteca, if that's the church meeting spot, if you're going north, if you're going south, I don't know what the place is, probably the Chinese buffet that Randy likes, that's a good meeting place. You have fellowship with other believers, communion, communion, remembering the Lord's sacrifice and remembering his return. Amen? Because we're looking forward to that. And then the fourth one was they were given over to prayer. Prayer. And so we as a church in 2024, we will do those four things. Because that's what the early church modeled themselves after. That's what the late church 2,000 years later will do. Amen? Amen. All right. So let's start with prayer. Father, we just come before you. And Lord, we just give ourselves to you today. Father, I give my words to you. Father, I know that I feel the Holy Spirit has given us a word. But Lord, if you feel at any time in your message to change it, then I will adhere and obey. And Father, remove me from this message as much as possible. Let the anointing go forth and break the yoke in the people's lives listening today. Father, let it not return void, but do that which you've purposed it in the heart of man to bring forth a transformation, a supernatural change so that we're never the same and we become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So today I want to start out with a little bit about what prayer is and about what prayer isn't. And as we continue through the month, but today is a foundational day. So I, wanna, I just want to tell you that before you know it. There's going to be a lot of scriptures, so get your fingers in work in order. I know they're cold, but we're going to keep them warm. The definition of prayer simply means to ask, petition, or inquire of the Lord. That's the simple meaning or the technological meaning. But I'm going to give you the meaning of what it, all of that encompassed in means that we give our attention to God. 
We give our attention to him in a two-way spiritual relationship. Did you hear that? Two-way. Sometimes you and I get caught up in the fact that we pray, but we never take the time to listen to the person we're communicating with. Prayer is a supernatural type of communication where a human gets to interact and connect with the creator of the universe. The creator of the universe, who is not human, he's a supernatural being. So therefore, we connect with him. It's like worship. Our prayer is a part of our worship and our devotion. We connect with God in spirit, our spirit to his spirit, and in truth. And who is truth? Jesus. The only way, truth, and the life. Only by him can we get to the Father. Amen? So that's where we're going to start today. It's a two-way street. We're going to start our scripture in Galatians, the fourth chapter today. And I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. It says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. This doesn't mean slaves like in the old history way. This is slaves. You are in bondage to the world's ways. No one owned these people except the world owned their actions. So that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to cry out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God made you his heir. When you and I repented from our sin and we gave our lives to him, we became the children of God. Just like you were born to earthly parents and you get to talk with your parents, you get to ask your parents questions. In fact, the older you get, chances are the questions you ask your parents get harder. You realize that. When you're young, your conversation looks like, why? Why? No. No. Yes. Why? Right? You ever met the kid that you're like, Mom, wh why did this happen? Well, honey, it happened because of such a, such a, but why? Well, because of the, but why? And they just keep, keep taking you deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the why. How many times do we find ourselves asking God Why? And he answers us. And then we go further. But why? And he answers us again. But why? What is this? It's communication. We're learning. And God's not afraid of your hard questions. He's not afraid to answer the things that are hard. See, man can get a little uncomfortable when we don't have the answer. But God himself is not concerned because he is the answer. When you don't get the why that you want, the answer is because I am. Because I am. I'm everything that you need in a nutshell. And though I can tell you this right here, you're going to keep asking why, 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 why. The answer to your why is because I am. And I am is enough for every why that you have. And sometimes we as Christians, amen, have to be okay with that's our answer to why. But God's never looking to hide, through, to hide stuff from us. He's never looking not to work with us through things. 
You know, Pastor Tim had a message uh, a couple Wednesday nights ago about the boldly approaching God like David did when he's like, why is this not happening? Or you said this would happen and blah, 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 blah. Here's the deal. You should never be afraid to ask God the things that you do not understand. Even though you might not get the answer today of what that means because you might not be mature enough to hear the why. You might not have enough understanding of his goodness to understand that this was the best of a bad situation that he could get to deliver your way because of the predicament you put yourself in. But God worked it all out and made it as good as he possibly could. And I'm here to remind you that if there's a situation in your life that is not good, then God's not done with the situation yet. And that prayer is where we need to continue to be. We talk with him and listen to him. How many times do when I conversate with my parents, the first thing I get is the correction of everything I did wrong? I'll go, let me tell you what happened. Blah, 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 blah. And my mom will look at me and she'll go, and that wasn't right. Or dad will say, now, Nicole, you know that wasn't the love of Christ. I didn't get the answer I was wanting to talk to them about. I got correction and instruction on how to do it better and how I could do it God's way. See, a lot of us check out at that point. That's why we don't listen during prayer. Because we don't want God to correct and instruct us. We just want to dump everything on him. We call it a dump site. Like, Lord, I'm here for this hour, and I'm just going to tell you what I think. And then you walk away, and you feel better. But the Lord was like, oh, well, I'll get them tomorrow. Or maybe I'll try in a dream tonight when they're quiet and their mouth is shut so I can get a word in edgewise. Two-way conversation two-way street and a part of our prayer is stopping our talking and listening and not listening so we can respond but listening so we can learn listening so we can be corrected listening so we can be transformed and truly begin to pursue things the way he wants let's go to Matthew 7 7 again laying some foundational truths to what prayer is and what prayer is not. Here's what it says. This one I'm reading out of the NIV. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread... We'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Good gifts. Did you hear that? Good gifts. See, We'd ask for things sometimes. We were just having a conversation with Brother Jesse in the office last week when he was here. And he said, do you realize that had God given me whatever airplane he was believing God for? I don't know which one it was. 
But he said, if I had received what God, I had asked God for right then and right there, I would have had no hanger to put it in. I would have had a fight with the whole state of New Orleans about the hangar and where the plane needed to be. And I think it was during COVID, they would have hijacked the hangar anyways and taken everything they had and used it for the government reasons anyways. He said, but because I waited on the perfect timing of God, now I have a hangar to keep it. Now I don't have to fight with the, the state of New Orleans for what I did. He said, but you want to know what was crazy? is that the year he began believing for this airplane was in 2009, and the make and the model of the year that he bought was 2009. And he said, God showed me and gave me what I asked for right then and there, but he couldn't deliver what I had to ask for because I couldn't contain what it was he was about to do. We have to understand that our Father knows much more about our lives and what's good for us and what's not good for us. I can tell you straight away, I'm going to use one of my children as an example, and I'm trying to do this as positive as I can, but one of them at 17, almost 18, I think it was, wanted a motorcycle. Now I've got one younger wanting a motorcycle, and something about, I don't know, what speed are those, a 600 1,000 speed motorcycle they went to buy. Not, 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 a, not a 300, not a 400, not a 500, not a 600. We're just going to skip them all and go to 1,000. Because we've drove motorcycles our entire life and we know how they work and we know how safe they are. Sometimes God knows what isn't good for you. Sometimes your parents know that with a motorcycle that fast, you're going to get a ticket after a ticket and get six points on your license and almost be threatened that if you get any more, you're not going to have a job because you can't drive there and your parents aren't driving you to your job. Do you understand the point? Is a motorcycle bad? No. Is a motor, everyone that gets on a motorcycle going to die? No. But there are certain personality types that motorcycles are not good for. And there's certain age types that maybe shouldn't be on a motorcycle that young. Do you understand my point? Doesn't matter how much training, doesn't matter, it matters how much self-control you have. Some of you are asking God for a financial breakthrough. Some of you are asking to retire. Randy and I retired. He wanted to retire. Honey, what was our age? 30. We were going to retire at 30. Did you hear those chuckles? Why is everybody chuckling? I don't know either, honey. We thought we were believing God for a miracle. Oh, we were, and God's like, you're too stupid to retire at 30 because you won't save what I told you to save, and you won't do right now with the $300, let alone $30,000 that I've asked you to save. Do you understand? So there are things that you and I are in process of learning and in the maturing of our faith and the maturing of self-control, the maturing of giving and generosity, God knows he can't give you the lottery now. He can't go tell you to play the lottery one time in your life because he knows right now if he told you to do that, you'd go be an addict and you'd play it every week because your trust would be coming that. But yet you've heard about the lottery winner who God gave her the numbers. She walks right in, says, I've never bought a ticket in my life. Here they are. Boom, 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 boom. Next night she wins $14 million. Here's what I'll tell you. To whom much is given, much was required. She was faithful in the little things, and so God could give her much. 
And I guarantee you the first check she wrote off of that check was straight to her church to tithe and to say thank you, Jesus. It wasn't to buy her house. It wasn't to get a big yacht. It wasn't to go do the things. It was to bless the kingdom and do what God had purposed her to do. Faithful and little, amen. God knows what's best for us, and he's never giving you anything that's going to break your spirit. If your character cannot handle what you're asking for, did you hear me? If your character cannot be trusted with what you're asking for, the answer is not today. Not today, because God knows what you can handle. Proverbs 15, 29 says that the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Somebody say righteous. If you're walking around steeped in sin and dabbling in the devil's due, what do you think the Lord's going to give you? He doesn't reward bad behavior. I'm going to be honest with you. Is it on merit and behavior? No, but is it based out of righteousness? Yes. Yes, it is. Am I a perfect person? Absolutely not. Is God looking for my perfection? Absolutely not. But he's looking for the pursuit of perfection. He's looking for me to desire to be like Christ. And when I'm pursuing that and I make a mistake or I fall off of the path, it's not doom and hell and ah. It's come on, get back on the path. You got this. Jesus paid the price for you. Repent, pick up your big girl pants, pick up your big boy pants, dust yourself off and say, okay, I'm not going to run that fast again because that's stupid. I got caught up in a whole bunch of junk I shouldn't have been in. And just get back on the path. He hears the righteous. He hears his children and he gives us good gifts. Let's take a few minutes to talk about what prayer is not. Prayer is not a drive through service. Where you get what you want as quickly as you can. You tell them all the changes that you want to what's already being served up. And in three minutes, boom, your answer's here and now I get to go do what I want to do. Now that's called an order. You drove through the drive-thru and you placed an order. Sound familiar? Did you order the people taking your order at the box exactly the way you want it? And what special things, you know, the one that comes out with the sticker that says no onions or the fries that you asked for with no salt just so really you can get hot fries and then you ask for extra salt? <laughs> I don't know who does that. That's an order! He's not a genie in the bottle that you get to carry around with you. And that you get to pursue your life and do everything that you want to do until things get so hard that you can't do it on your own. So you're like, oh, I got it. Okay, today's the day. And you pull out this gene and you give him a good rub. Come on, Jesus, let's go. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, yeah. And then he comes up like a spirit out of a globe and says, what do you wish, my child? And we try to manipulate what's in the genie bottle to get more than three wishes. We know the rules. We know the guidelines. Yet why is it that we try to manipulate a God that already says yes? He's already telling you that I mean you good. I want the best for you. 
And here we are trying to rub it out and manipulate it when we want. Oh, but then when he tells us what we really, well, no, now, did you think about these things when you're asking to be the richest person in the world? Did you really think about, we're like, okay, get back in your bottle. We don't want your opinion. Because he's not a genie in the bottle. We don't get to carry him around and use him when we want and command him to fix it. Prayer's not wishes. It's not wishes. You don't get to wish it into existence. Matthew, the sixth chapter, turn back a page. 6 1, it says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Oh, you mean there's people that practice to be seen in prayer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is. There is, because they want to be noted for being a good Christian. A good Christian. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wanting to be noted as a good Christian. But we don't need you to tell us how long you've been sitting in here praying. We need your life to show us how long you've been sitting and praying. See, because if you truly have been sitting and praying in the Lord as long as you say you've been in here praying then you won't be nasty any longer. You won't be looking at those people talking bad about them. You won't be yelling at your wife and cursing on the street at the person that just drove by you. Don't tell us how long you've been praying. Show us what prayer has done in your life while you've been doing it that long. Because proof's in the pudding. A good man, my, my uh, it was Steve Yant. I don't know what he was, cousin by marriage, nephew by marriage. I don't know what he was. Anyways, he would tell me, I said, Steve, I said, tell me a, a good word you have for Alexis in finding a husband. He was such a man of wisdom. He said, it's simple. Never listen to where a man's mouth is talking. You watch his feet because where his feet walks is really what he wants you to know. We don't need you to tell us or to show us how humble and how righteous you are in your prayer. We need you to show us what God's changing in your life because you're walking it and not talking it. Amen? Amen. That's where we are. Let's go to Matthew, the sixth chapter, the fifth verse. It says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father. Hmm. That's what we do. So he tells us that we go into our closet to pray. Prayer is not a list of repetitious words. We find this down in the scripture in the seventh verse. Matthew 6, 7. Listen what it says here. It says... And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Now, the King James Version says, literally, this is how I was taught when I was raised. It said, but when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for much speaking. Here's what that means. Empty, useless words. It doesn't mean that you can't ask twice for something. I want to make that clear. Multiple times in my life, I've started out really strong praying and believing for something. And when I pray, 
I pray and believe in my heart that I've received because the word tells me that, Mark eleven twenty four. 24, right? Pray in your heart, believe that you received when you prayed. And then I just thank God for what he's done from there on out. But there are times that I lose my place. I lose my footing. And for months, I let that prayer go. And a little bit of doubt might creep in. And I find myself surrendering it to him once again. Guess what? There's nothing wrong with praying a second time. That's not what this is talking about. That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about vain repetitions. This was a hypocritical place that people were praying big flowery prayers that could take three minutes. Look, this is how simple this is. Father, I need your help today. I'm an idiot. I can't do this life on my own, and I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, Lord, I just come before you in the name of Jesus. I'm kneeling here on the floor just begging you to come into this room. Please, God, save me. Please, God, help me from this boss at work. You know how he treats me. Oh, God. Just say what you want, for goodness sakes. Just say what you want. When you go to your parents, you don't try to flower nothing up unless you're in trouble. Hear me? I never went to my mom and dad. I'm like, hey, mom, can I have 20 bucks? She's like, sure, baby, here, take your 20 bucks. I didn't have to flower it up. Hey, mom, you know, this is Quentin right now. He's learning. So Quentin's been on bed rest, kind of like he's not allowed to work and because of this wound. And so he's like, hey, mom, so you know, it's been a long time. I'm like, yeah, what do you want? And I make him ask on purpose just to drain it out and make it real long. God doesn't need that from you. Walk boldly in there and say, Lord, this is what I'm asking for you today. My marriage is a mess and I need help. And I don't know how to fix it. I don't know where to even start. My, my wife has lost her mind this week. And I'm trying to make it right. I tried to take the trash out the way she wants me to, but it isn't right. I tried to get her flowers. She doesn't want flowers. She wanted candy. I bought her candy. She said I was trying to make her fat. I don't know what to do. Lord, help me. Is that right, men? I know, I got you down, Pat. I got you. That's how Randy says I am. You're the hardest woman in the world. You don't need to make it flowery. Here's what I'll remind you. It says literally that we pray, not those repetitious things, but we pray and we have this relationship with Jesus. It's this talking, walking relationship with him. This is why the word says prayer, pray continually without ceasing. Do you know what that means? Just be in relationship with me. Just be in relationship with me. When I'm at the stoplight, I know this sounds crazy. I'm not worried about yelling at the guy or the girl next to me who's trying, or the roundabout trying to get out of the roundabout before me. I'm like, just go ahead and go before me. It's fine. It's not worth it. Lord, I thank you, Lord. You just bless those people today because right now I'd like to run into a bumper. <laughs> Prayer without ceasing. Put him in every part of your day, right? Every part of our day. See, I just want to remind you that God already spoke your life into existence. He knows exactly what it is that you need. And because he's your father, father, he knows what you have need of even before you ask. But it's the act of submitting ourselves underneath him and just asking what he would will in our situation. Right? Mark eleven twenty four. 24, I said, so therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have it and it will be yours. By the way, 
it says, attached to the end. But be sure when you pray that you don't hold anything against anyone, but forgive them that you too may be forgiven. So forgiveness is attached to answered prayer. You and I can see that. How many times do we come in and we just blow into the room and then we don't want to examine anything that's going on in our hearts? And we wonder why our prayers might not be answered. Is there something in there against somebody? Maybe something that you've tucked away, kind of like today, that it's that one relationship that you know doesn't function right, but you're going to walk way around it in your prayer. You're like, yeah, we'll deal with that another day. Is that unforgiveness? Is that that you've got something in your heart against somebody that you need to lay at the feet of Jesus? And, and here's the prayer. Lord, this person really hurt me. I'm really hurt and offended by what was said and done to me. And I feel like it was unjust. But I don't know how to get over it. I don't know how to let it go. I don't know how to forget it. I don't know how to forgive it. But I start today by saying, I forgive them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Get up and walk away. And I promise you, it's a working of miracles. And God starts working in the area of forgiveness. And before long you know it, you can actually pray for that person without going, <clears throat> that was the test. That's what my dad would say. He would say, Nicole, do you have anything in your heart against nobody? I'm like, no, I ain't got nothing in my heart against nobody. He's like, hmm, what about this person? And he mentioned their name. I go, no. What about this person? No. What about this person? Hmm. He'd say, see, there it is. There it is. You can do this in your own prayer life. You can start going through a list of people that have possibly wronged you, people that you've got aughts with that you're like, ugh. When, you, when someone can speak their name and you not go, mm, then you're free. Uh, hear me out. You are free. And you'll know that. But if you can't and they still mention that name, there's only one thing you need to be doing, and that's praying for that person better things than you pray for yourself. Dad would teach me, he said, you want to know why people that are jealous attract themselves to you? He said, because you fall for it. Quit being jealous. You start praying and the devil will stop sending them your way. Because as soon as them people that would come with jealousy of me, I'd start igniting competition. I'm like, oh girl, it's on now. And then God started dealing with that ugly part of me. Saying, when I touch, you told me that this competition, you told me that pride, you told me that ego was dead inside of you. You told me that you had become selfless. You told me that I had become the life of your life and that you were going to lie down and do what I ask you to do. Then why, when somebody pokes you with a stick, do you respond? Because if you're dead, last time I checked, you ever been out on the road with some roadkill? If it's dead, it's dead. You can kick it. You can roll it off to the side of the road. It isn't barking. It isn't growling. Yet somehow that was still alive in me. And one of my leaders said to me, he said, I'm telling you right now, you say you're dead, but you're not dead. That offense is wide alive inside of you or you wouldn't be in my office growling so loud. Can we let it go? Can we really let it go and move on from something that we feel we were wronged in? Someone lied to you. Someone lied about you. 
Ooh, that's a hard one. That's a hard one, right? Give it up. Give it up to God. Give it up. Comes to our last question today. Why should we pray? Why? Why? If, if, just for talking? Because we're supposed to talk to God? No, because the creator of the world is inviting us to accomplish his will. When you and I pray, we become participants in God's big plan. Do we have a little plan? We have a plan of our own life, right? Get married, have kids, make more, get grandkids, hold a nice job, retire early, travel where we want, and finally get to live our life. See, that's every American's plan, right? Or some of us farm. They want to farm the rest of their life, be in that big combine, because that's important. It's not that those things are wrong. It's that it's wrong when it takes the precedent to God's will for our lives. When we're okay just living the American dream and having things just be okay. As long as we don't have a whole lot of loss in our life, as long as we've got more than enough money to pay for everything, our kids got enough money to go to college, and we're good. We're good. We're going to attend church on Sunday and just do what God asks us to do on Sundays. You know, and we'll witness to a few people along the way. We'll, we'll witness, Lord. You just, you just tell us. Whatever you want us to do, we'll do. Matthew 6, 9 through 10 says that as a part of the Lord's Prayer, this is huge. Listen to this. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Honored is thy name. Thy kingdom come. Whose kingdom? Not mine. Sometimes I think we read it as my kingdom come. It's not my kingdom. It's his kingdom come. Not the way that I want it to be. No, the way he wants his kingdom to look. The way he wants his kingdom to look on earth as it is in heaven. See, this kingdom's already been written that God wants to establish. It's, it's not changeable. It's not changeable. It's already been written. But what we have to do is prayer invites us to into his mindset of what the kingdom looks like in you on this earth. And when you and I submit ourselves into that will, now we're working with the creator of the universe to bring his kingdom to earth. And when I show up on the scene and I've been in prayer and I know what God wants me to do in a certain situation, it makes his heart happy. Because no longer am I about my will, but I'm about his will. And we say this candidly. Oh yeah, I'm about my father's will. But are you? Are you? I'm telling you, this message was hard for me to write. See, we pray not to beg or ask and petition over and over, not to change God's mind about our situation or his will. We pray because prayer changes us and the way we think about it. And I think sometimes we think that God gets to be changed by what we pray. 
And that he's just waiting up there going, well, you ain't ask enough. No, no, that's not it at all. You haven't asked anything that is according to his will. You've been asking that he remove your enemies from your life. We'll get to that a little bit later about your motives. See, it changes us. It changes our will. It submits our hearts and our minds underneath his mighty hand. It's kind of like it, it, it's a chess piece. You know, that chess piece, the second I touch it, it's become under my hand and my plan of my mind. The chess pieces in this life are not meant to be moved by themselves. They're meant to be moved by God's supernatural hand. But oftentimes we think we know where we're in a checkmate position. And we're not. God's like, no, no, no. Because I understand the move of the enemy. You're not understanding what I see on the other side of the board. Just sit and wait and let my hand move where it needs to move. James 4, 1 through 3. It says right here. It says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Okay, let's go on down to the sixth verse. It says, but he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud. He opposes the ones who are dependent upon themselves. He opposes the one who knows better than he does. But he favors the humble. He favors the one who asks for help. He favors the one who sits themselves underneath his hand until he says, this is what you do and this is where you go and this is what I want you to say. He favors them. So humble yourselves before God Resist the devil. In other words, the devil's going to try to get you to stand up on your own and declare your dependency on yourself. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. I don't need to pray about this today. I'm good. I'm going to march right in there and I'm going to tell my boss what I think. It's about time I've taken enough from this company. And maybe that wasn't God's plan at all. Resist the devil. Resist him from trying to feed you that you are independent of the almighty God. Resist him and he will flee. And then look what it says. Come close to God. Come close. And God will come close to you. Come close. As soon as you take one step 
towards God, he takes one step to you. This is what happens. And before you know it, your drawing near has drew him right into your situation. And he's right there walking with you, right there talking with you, right there saying, I got this. You go, don't be fearful. Let's go. Come on. I got this. This is the God that you serve. Sometimes I catch myself praying. And it, it can get pretty, pretty, pretty crazy in my prayers. But I have to remind myself that in Jeremiah 17, 9, that my heart is deceitful above all things. You know, people say, oh, just follow your heart. No, do not follow your heart. Do not follow your heart because your heart is deceitful in all of its ways. In fact, Jeremiah says it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? Psalms 26.2, put me on trial, Lord. This is David's prayer. Put me on trial, God. Examine my heart and see if there's any wrong motive when I pray. Sometimes I find myself when I pray with stupid words. I'm literally walking because I like to walk when I pray and I'm apologizing. I'm like, God, that was stupid. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that because when I'm a verbal processor. So sometimes when I hear it out loud, I'm like, that was the stupidest prayer you could ever pray. Of course that's God's will. I read in the word that that's his will. So why are you asking, oh, Lord, if it be your will? It is his will. Right? Like you just talk to yourself and you work yourself out of it. But I hear the Lord say sometimes to me, why? Why? I remember years ago, years ago, I was walking around the back of the building and I was praying and there was a couple people that had gotten in a tiffle in the church and, and I had just gotten off the phone talking to dad about it and I was in the sanctuary and I came to pray about it and I heard the, and I began to pray about them working this tiffle out and staying in the church and he said, why? And I'm like, what do you mean, why? Because we want them in the church. We want them to stay. We want them to work it out. He said, Why? It's getting to my motive. Why did I want them still in the church? And what God was showing me is that I know more about that tiffle and the heart of those two people involved than you would ever know. And I might not be leaving them here because of what I know is in their heart. And I said, you know what? It took me, listen, four days. I kept praying for that family, those two families. Four days, and I kept hearing the Lord say why. And I'd give an answer, and the next day he'd come back with why. So I knew it wasn't the right answer. My answer that I was giving to God, my motive for praying that they would stay was not the right motive. The motive was that two couples in our church would not be ticked off at each other and leave because of the way it would make us look like we couldn't fix the problem. That was the true motive. Now, this was a while ago. This is not my motive now. Just remind you, I'm being fully transparent here. But God was looking at my heart. Because what I didn't want was what was best for the families. I thought I did. I thought what I wanted was best for them. But really, God knew that these two families couldn't coexist in this church together. And that one needed to go. And he needed me to admit that he knew more about these families than I did. And that if I would submit the lives of the members of this church to him, that he would do the best 
he could. And that he meant only believe good. And that he meant the pastor's good. I didn't want my dad's heart broke one more time. For another couple that was leaving the church. I wanted to save that hurt. I was like, honey, you can't save that hurt. But your motive in what you pray can be according to my will and not yours. Is our motive right in what we pray, church? Here's wrong motives, and I close. Sometimes we pray that God gets rid of our enemies, which really are people that don't agree with you, they irritate you, they aggravate you, they poke you. When really what you're asking is that you want God to punish them for what they did. You won't say it, but you feel it. You're like, you know what? Lord, don't let them reap it in heaven. Let them reap it now. I've been there. I get it. It's hard when things go unjust and not in your favor and you did nothing wrong in the midst. Sometimes there's just people that want bad things to happen to good people. And they're waiting for it. And in fact, they're wanting to read a tabloid about it. Okay, you know, my dad said, he used to say, you know, if you don't give them something to talk about, they're going to talk about it anyway. So give them something good to talk about. Be sure that it's not revengeful. How about, oh, Lord, let my gifting shine. So really, you can be noticed by your church so that your ego can be stroked because of your spiritual accomplishment. Because you want to feel important. You want to feel knowledgeable. The Bible says that your gifts will make room for you. Your gifts. If you really have a gift, God's going to make room for that. That doesn't mean you can't come to your pastor. You can't come to your leaderships and say, hey, I feel this burning in my heart. And I don't know what my next step is. Can you tell me? Do you know that giftings are not just for the local church? Giftings are for there. They're for out there in the world. And that we're all called to do this, but there's only so many within the church that can equip you to do what you're called to do. But your equipping might not be of the saints. It might be to take what you have into the world so that you can share Jesus with them in a greater way. Are we looking for approval of men? You know, some of us as parents, we feel like we know what's best for our young adult children. <laughs> Don't we? Yeah. Maybe what you're praying for your adult children and you think they're supposed to do really isn't what God has spoke to them to do. And that's hard, right? Because we think we know what's best. But notice what I said, they're adult children. And sometimes we just have to pray according to God's will and say, Lord, I don't know if this is where you want them or you're not. This doesn't bear witness with my spirit. This doesn't sit well with me. But God, nevertheless, remember Jesus in the garden. Nevertheless, not my will, God, but yours be done. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of us want our kids to follow right in our footsteps. Because we were business owners, we want them to be business owners. Maybe they don't want to be business owners. Maybe they want to go to McDonald's and be a manager. Maybe they just want to go home at 5 o'clock and forget about their job because they watched you bring it home every single night of their life. And if that's God's plan for their life, then we have to be okay with that. Because that's God's will. I got to be honest with you, I respected my parents solely. Because my parents never told me 
what I was called to do. Never. Never. They allowed me to work it out almost at a point that I drowned in my own relationship or lack of relationship with Christ because I didn't know how to find it. I didn't know what. This, this purpose thing was so big, so big in my life. It's so big in every teenager, in every college kid's life. What am I supposed to do with my life? Prayer will help you find out what you're supposed to do with your life. See, my dad didn't tell me what I was called to do, nor did my mother. God called me. And God said, this is what I need you to do. And when, here's the good thing about that. When man tells you what you're supposed to do, then when man tells you you're not allowed to do it, you'll believe it. And man can set you there and man can take you down from there. But when God puts you in a place, then it is only God in his hand that can remove you from that place. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like King Saul. I don't want to be affected by what man can say to me. I want God to speak me, hear, listen, and obey. And when God calls it, he purposes it. He purposes it. But here's the problem. You and I, without prayer, without prayer, will never know the will of God for our life. Prayer is a two-way street, church. And our motive must be right when we pray. And we seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added. Your clarity that you're seeking will be added. That, that gifting that you're after developing will be finished. Everything that you have need of, the fruits of the spirit in their fullness will begin to grow and begin to get bigger in your life. All you have to do is begin to seek. Seek him first and pray. And you don't have to worry about how you sound. Because God's going to make it all right. And as you grow, your language will change. You'll begin to express yourself differently. You'll begin to say what you really need or what it is that you're wanting inside. You know, sometimes I go to the Lord and I'm like, Lord, I don't know how to say what I want. I don't know, I'm, but I'm lacking this in my life, in my relationship with you. A couple weeks later, a guy calls me on the phone. He says, Nicole, I think I need to talk to you. I got a word from the Lord for you. I said, okay, what is it? And he said, God says he's going to begin to reveal patterns in the Bible to you. He's going to begin to reveal analogies and typologies that you haven't been able to grasp before. And he's going to begin to sew together your life like a quilt. You've got all these squares and you understand these squares, but he's going to supernaturally knit these squares together. And if you've ever quilted, the little square by itself is beautiful. It's beautiful. But when you put it together and see the whole picture, you're like, whoa, that's awesome. I didn't know how to say what I needed and what I was feeling in my relationship, but I'm God, there's something missing. I need more. And within weeks, it started to drop. Within weeks, I started to stitch quilts together that had been in my life since I was a teenager and didn't understand why they were there. And God began to reveal things. But it was just me being transparent with God. God, I don't know what I need, but there's more. There's more. What is it? And then he heard and he responded. And that was probably the closest to an order I ever got because it was within a couple days. You guys, come on. Why so serious? Wait, that's a movie clip. Yeah, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Go ahead, team. You can play. 
I want today, I know we're in eight days of prayer, but I want us to just stand to our feet today. And I want us to say, what in our life do we want out of our prayer? I think that having a purpose in what you want in your prayer is necessary. And hear me out, if you're not a prayer and you've never actually started walking into prayer and you, you're like, Nick, I can't pray for an hour, I can't do anything, that's, that's fine. I'm not asking that. What I'm asking is, is that you'll commit to pray. And maybe that prayer is only five minutes on your way to work because that's what you can do. God's saying, I'm going to meet you where you're at. Remember, he who is faithful in little will be given much. So if you're faithful with five minutes of prayer and you're completely transparent in that five minutes and your motive is pure to just say, God, I'm here to meet you today. I don't even know what I'm doing. But Pastor Nicole says I need to pray and I need to communicate and I want to work this relationship out and I don't even know how to pray with the right motive or the wrong motive, but I just got to trust that you're going to show me how. I want you to purpose that today. And then there's people that have been doing this for years, for years. And maybe you're struggling with the repetition. Maybe you're struggling with that. You know what? You need the Pray First app or the Pray First book down here that we have. I got some down here on the front row underneath the pew. And it talks about the seven to ten different prayer models in the Bible. Shake things up a bit. If you prayed the Lord's Prayer, don't always pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray the Tabernacle Prayer. Pray the Prayer of Jabez. Pray some warfare scriptures. Like, shake it up. Get your prayer life alive again. Stir the faith that's within you. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how to pray some things. What to pray. Next week, we're going to talk about how to boldly approach the throne. How to boldly approach it and some things that hold us back. And why they hold us back. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk maybe about the prayer of agreement. Prayer of agreement. It's huge. Huge. Body of believers. Grab the hand next to you today. We're going to practice that prayer before we leave today. <laughs> I hear someone chuckling back there. Before we pray, I want you to look to the person next to you. And if you don't know them, or maybe you know them, but you don't know the life that they're living before God, I want you to ask if they know Jesus as their personal Savior. I want you to take the time right now. Just ask them. Flat out ask them. There you go. By the way, the other night in prayer on Wednesday, we had a salvation. Just come up in the middle of prayer and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. It was beautiful. Just keep on bringing them in, Lord. Now, if there's anybody here today that the person next to you said they don't know Jesus, then just ask him, you want to come down front? I'll pray with you. I'll even go down front with you. And if that's you today and you're like, I want to make Jesus a part of my life, the church is here for you. We want to pray for you. We want to help you in your walk with Christ. Would there be anybody in this house today? Don't drag them down. Ask them down. Anybody. Anybody that says, Pastor Nicole, I want to give my life to Christ today. Okay. Careful walking around. I might think you're walking down here. All right. We're going to turn to the person next to you that you're holding their hand, and I want you to pray over them today and ask them something in their life that you can agree with them for. I'll take you. You agree with me? 
Look, I'm coming right back here to Miss Anna Duncan. She ain't got nobody to agree with her. I see you're standing all alone. Come on, Miss Anna, you're gonna come right down here with me and pray. Don't worry, I'll turn my microphone off before they know what we really need. <laughs> Look at the person next to you. Ask them what you can pray with them today and pray the prayer of agreement. And church, I love you. We will see you tomorrow night at six o'clock for prayer where we're continuing our 21 days of prayer. Expect God to hear because he is listening.